Well, praise our God. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for the opportunity again. And I want to say that this congregation is a pivotal congregation. And I don't know if you understand uh, your importance and this pastor. And as he shared earlier about the different things that are going on in different churches and how that God is using him to be a bridge, uh, I want you to take that to heart because you are a pivotal congregation. Amen? And God is using this church in a powerful way. And he's used this man uh, for many, many years. And I appreciate his heart, how he reaches out to others. And he's just not taking his truth and trying to hide it. He wants to share it. So I appreciate that. Amen. Let the church say amen. And in the black church, you know, we get up and say, let the church say amen. amen. And then we say, let the church say hallelujah. <laughs> amen. And so praise our God. That's always good. You know, um, sometimes when I get up to preach, I may have two or three messages. I'm not sure which way God wants me to go. And you certainly can't preach all three at any point, though. Uh, I want to start out tonight with some testimony. Um, just want to start out. I'm going to give you a scripture and then I'm going to give some testimony. And then I'm going to go into my message. OK, and so I appreciate your prayer. So don't wait till tomorrow to pray for me. You pray for me while I'm up here. OK, well, praise our God. I want you to turn in your Bibles, though, to Hebrews chapter 13, 8, chapter 13, verse 8. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Amen. A very simple scripture, but so powerful. Okay. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to repeat that again. And I want you to let it sink deep in your spirit. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I, I'm going to say it one more time. It's not a broken record, but listen. Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And then I'm going to ask you, do we really believe that? Do we? I know we, we say it, but do we believe that Jesus Christ is the same? Is he the same? We sang the song, yes, he healed. I better not try to sing. Okay. Yes, he healed in Galilee. You know, uh, and on and on and on. But, and we go on and say, he's just the same. But do we really believe that? Okay. And, I'm, and when, 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 this is a double-edged sword. So he goes out like that and he come back this way. Okay. All right. And so I'm asking myself that same question. Do I really believe that Jesus Christ is the same? Because I know we say that, but sometimes we don't believe it, you know. And I'm, I'm like you, I'm learning. I'm learning. And at age 75, I believe I should be further down the road. A young 75. Okay? <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, I'm just like you, and I'm learning, okay? And it seems like things that God taught me 40 years ago, I'm just coming into them. Just laying hold to them like I ought to, okay? Um, you know, uh, I received a phone call 
Maybe I saw it on Facebook. I'm not sure. Uh, but there was a couple that used to live across the street from me in Alaska. And I believe I led them to the Lord. And I know they were part of our little church that we had there in Alaska. And this man went on to become a pastor in the Salvation Army. And he recently retired. But I learned that his wife had ovarian, is that right? Ovarian cancer. And so uh, I call and I ask her, could I pray with her? And I ask her, could I have a phone conversation with them? Can I share some scriptures with them? And, uh, and she agreed. And so I sent her some material and I began to pray with her. And, and there was a friend of mine in that area. They lived in uh, Indiana. And I had him go by and pray with them as well. And so I just, to make a long story short, uh, she said that her tumor shrunk after the prayer. But she said she still had it, and she agreed to, to have surgery. And so I, I said to her, okay, I want you to have faith in what God says, and I want you to indeed have faith in your doctor, but I want you to know uh, that Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood that your faith has made you whole. And so she had surgery uh, a few weeks ago, and she was rejoicing because they opened her up, and there was no cancer. There was no tumor, okay? I mean, I, and, uh, and they let her off early, and she's rejoicing, praising God. Now, amen, praise God. So all I'm saying is that God moved. And so now I like to think that God used medical science, and he moved directly, and God healed that woman. And so all that's good. You know, I told you last night that, I had cancer on my head, and I was really upset with God because I had it, but I had it. And I didn't quite know how to deal with it, but after praying for a while and it didn't go away, I went and got the surgery, okay? And then I had a struggle with, did God heal me? <laughs> but I finally concluded that God did heal me because all healing comes from God. But it was something I had to go through just like all of us. And so, and then I told you after that, there was a lady who had a problem with uh, uh, with cancer. In fact, she stage four and uh, lung cancer and the doctor dismissed her. Uh, her family didn't think the doctor had good manners. And when she told me about it, I got really upset about it and went over and prayed. And God heals that, healed that woman as I prayed for. Now, why? I can't tell you why God didn't heal my cancer directly and he healed that woman cancer directly. I can't tell you. I'm questioning things myself. I'm saying, God, I've seen you move. How come I can't see you move consistently? I'm saying, God, what do we do? What do I need to do? And I am like you. But what I want to share with you today, though, is seven keys, seven keys to uh, divine health and healing. OK, and so so, uh, you know, why is it that I see God move sometimes and I don't see him move the next time? I don't know. But let me just share this story with you before I go. I was uh, in the little basement at our church in Alaska, only five or six of us around the altar uh, praying. And uh, my wife was sing, playing this song, uh, I love you, Lord. You know, I lift my voice. And we were singing that chorus. And, and one by one, we trickled around the altar and we were praying. 
And as we came before God, now, my own experience, all of a sudden, I was in the presence of God. It was like I was in the throne room of God, and I'm asking God, how did I get here? What did I do? Because it was like, I've never had an experience like that. I said, God, it's like I'm in your presence. What happened? What did I do? What do I need to do to do this again? And then I wondered what was happening in the lives of those other folks. And there was one guy in there who was not saved. He was sitting in the chair. And then he trickled to the altar. And God changed that guy. He got saved right there at that altar. It was like the Spirit of God spoke to him somehow. But, but everybody told me they had the same experience. And in fact, about two years later, the ladies had a prayer uh, retreat. And one of the ladies was telling me that God really showed up in this prayer retreat. She said, you remember the time we were all around that altar? I said, yeah. That's what it was like. And so then I was really jealous. God, how come, how come you move like that for the ladies? How come you brought the ladies in your presence like that? But listen, all I'm saying is that I don't understand why God moves this way. And then next time he may move another way. But I do know that there are principles that we can hold on to. Um, I had a good friend by the name of James Three. Uh, he was in Alabama. I called him one day, and he didn't answer the phone. So then I called his sister, and she says that he is in a coma. Like she says, he can't speak. She says he can't talk. She says he can't see. And I'm in Cleveland, and so I said, "Well, the next time you go to the hospital, put the phone to his ear. I'm gonna call you." Put the phone to his ear. I want to pray for him. She did that. I prayed for him, okay? Nothing happened. But I felt impressed that I need to go down there and pray for him in person. Now, that's a strange thing. Why did I feel that way? I don't know. But I had this urgency. I said to my wife, I'm going down and raise him up. Now, come on. Hey, you know, that's crazy. Okay, but that's what I said. I told my church that, and they didn't get excited about it. But I went down there. And the amazing thing that happens when I walked in the room, his sister was praying, and I walked in that room, and uh, we began to rebuke, I know this sounds strange, we rebuke death in the name of Jesus. That was premature death. We rebuke death in the name of Jesus. I commanded life to come to that man. I, 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 I said he'll live and not die and declare the works of God. And that guy opened his eyes. He opened his eyes, and from that day on, he began to improve. I came back to Cleveland and uh, uh, had some friends go down to visit him. They visit him like on Sunday. I'm, I'm in the pulpit preaching. Uh, they call back and says, we walked in the room and he called us by name. We all rejoice. God raised him up. Listen, you say, why did God do that? I, I can't tell you why God did that. I'm just giving you some testimonies. Uh, there was a lady who had a stroke. And I just said, I'm going to pray for this woman. I, 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 the family was a part of our church. And I go in to pray for this woman. Her two daughters are sitting there, and this woman, her eyes are closed. You know, I don't know what was what. I just know that she had a stroke. I went in. They let me pray. We rebuke stroke in the name of Jesus, rebuke death in the name of Jesus. We, different things. Anyway, we pray for this woman, and her eyes open. Okay, so I left, and her sister says, you know, God heal you. You were, you were out. You were unconscious. 
Pastor Jeter came in and prayed, and your eyes opened. God brought you back. Well, I prayed that that woman would survive that stroke with no problems, uh, that she would have all use of her faculties, her mental faculties, and she did. Now, listen, I'm not saying that everybody who had a stroke I prayed for and they came out of it. I'm not saying that at all. But she did, okay? So why is it? So I'm, I'm asking God that same question. God, why can't I see this happen consistently? I know that Jesus healed all, but clearly, you know, I prayed for a lot of people and, and I've seen more not get healed than got healed. <laughs> and so I'm saying, Lord, why is that? And so I got questions just like you, but I do believe there are certain principles still that we can adhere to from the word of God and that we ought to be able to see a lot more consistency uh, in our answers to prayer. Brother Tony made a, a, a great point uh, just a few minutes ago how that, you know, we need to be right with God and our hearts on the altar for him to answer. But anyway, those are just a few things uh, before we get into the lesson. There was a 90-year-old lady. She was 90 years old. She was in the hospital, cancer. And I just went in and I, I prayed for her and rebuked the cancer and all that kind of stuff. And then I said, I'll get back and see her. I didn't get back to see her. I was too busy. And then I heard she, was, she had been released. And two years later, I walk into my church and there's just this woman. And I said, hey, sister, how are you doing? She says, you remember when you came to the hospital to pray? I said, yeah. She says, the doctors couldn't find that cancer. I said, well, praise God. We know it was God. <laughs> it certainly wasn't the, wasn't the kid. Okay. But all I'm saying is this. We know that God heals. Another thing, another, and then we'll move on. Uh, this lady on, on New Year's Eve, um, Facebook Live, distraught because, distraught because of her, her boyfriend uh, and some woman, I don't know, she took a gun. Bam! And I heard about it. I said, is she dead? Well, no, she's still alive. And so we went to the hospital. And, uh, and there this woman is in a coma. And her kids used to come to our church. And so I, I knew the woman was. And we began to uh, pray over her. And I'm talking to her. She's in a coma. I'm saying, if you can hear me, I want you to start crying out to God in your spirit. Just say, God, help me. Just say, God, forgive me. Just say, God, have mercy. Now, and that's the kind of talk that I continued to talk to this woman. But God brought that woman out of that thing. And I would say 90%. Uh, she can think. She can talk. Uh, she's uh, pushing in for the things of God. Now, I had to step back from that uh, situation because her, she still requires uh, care. And her parents are leaning toward the Jehovah's Witness. And I didn't feel I was welcome, so I stepped back. But that's still an area of prayer. But all I'm saying is that God raised that woman up. That's all I'm saying. And I, and I want you to be encouraged because I believe that the Spirit of God in you empowers you to pray for people with expectations. Okay, so I'm going to, uh, here's the thing. I'm going to talk to you about seven, amen, seven keys uh, to healing and deliverance, okay? Seven keys, and I'm not, not going to hold you long. I just wanted to give you a, a few testimonies because, listen, and I, I, I'm zero, you know, I, I, I'm nobody. I'm zero, okay? And so I know that he, what he does in me and through me, 
he can do in you and through you. Okay, the first thing I want you to understand, and the first key is this. I believe, all believers don't believe this, but I believe that healing is in the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I base that on Isaiah 53. And you can turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah 53.5. Isaiah 53.5. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. In verse 4, it talks about, surely he's borne my uh, griefs and carried my sorrows or uh, if you go back to the original, he's borne my sicknesses and carried my pain. But, but I believe that God in his mercy not only put upon Jesus my sin, but he put upon him my sickness. Okay, And so uh, that is the first thing I believe that's important for us to lay hold to, that God really did put that on Jesus. Uh, Matthew 8, 16, you can read it when you get time, Matthew 8, 16 and 17. The Bible says, when evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophets, and himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. And, and my point here is that here is the prophet, uh, and then here is Jesus, and then here is Matthew, all in agreement that Jesus took upon himself our sickness and disease. Well, now, did he do that or did he not? Well, I know people approach this differently. But to me, though, one of the keys for you, for your victory, is that you need to see it in the atonement. OK, and that's the first thing. I believe that Jesus is the same. I believe that he still heals today. And I believe that he showed his love and kindness and by taking upon himself our sickness and disease. So that's the first key. Healing is in the atonement. That's what I believe. OK, healing is in the atonement. I believe that. OK. All right. And so. Uh, so now if healing is in the atonement, the second key, what is the second key? Healing is a grace. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, grace is something that's unearned, undeserved, unmerited. So. I think that's important for you to come to grips with when it comes down to your healing. It's unearned. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. What do you mean? Somebody thinks that they're not good enough to be healed. It got nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with how good you are. Healing is a grace. God put that on Jesus. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But I need to receive it. Ah, receive it. Oh, I don't have to earn it, but I do have to receive it. I have to receive my healing. Well, somebody says when it comes down to salvation, uh, somebody prays a prayer. They ask Jesus in their heart as their Lord and Savior, and I ask them a question. Did he come in? And they say, I think so. And I said, well, how do you know? Well, I feel it. I want them to come to a place of faith. And I try to help them understand what faith is. I say, what's your name? He said, my name is Joe. I say, are you sure that's your name? Yes. Okay. Well, that's faith. 
when you know that Jesus come into your heart with the same assurance that you know your name is Joe, that's faith. And so it's the same thing with healing. I have to receive my healing, but I have to receive it by faith. I've got to know that I'm healed as sure as I know my name. Ah, and that's where we get into problems because I prayed for a woman and she had problems with her eyes. And I said, you see that sign? She says, yes. I said, can you read that? She says, no. And after I prayed with her and worked with her, I said, well, sister, your confession should be praise God, I'm healed. And so when I walked away, she said to somebody else, I will never say that because I'm not going to confess that I can see if I don't. Well, the thing is, her faith was in what she saw. And I'm trying to get her to a place to have faith in what God said. Biblical faith is in what God said. Biblical faith is in what God said. And so God is trying to get us to a place in our Christian walk to walk in what he has revealed to us by faith. The enemy wants us to walk in what we see, how we feel. You know, Thomas says, I'm not going to believe it unless I can stick my hands in the side and in, in, in the nail prints. Well, that's one kind of faith. That's faith in what you see, what you feel. But Jesus says, blessed are those who have never seen, yet believe. That's, what, that's us. We have revelation faith. The Spirit of God reveals something to our spirit, and we believe it, and we act on it. We never touched Jesus. We never saw Jesus, but we know that we know that we know that we know that Jesus died for our sins. That's revelation faith. And the Spirit of God wants us to come to a place to walk by revelation faith. What has God revealed to you about divine healing? Can you step out on it? Can you know that you know that you know that you know because he said it? But no, where we are, feelings we, we, feelings are so close to us. So, so uh, if I have pain and you pray for me, uh, I, 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 I want to believe when the pain stops. But that's not biblical faith. Biblical faith says the thing that I hope for is mine now. It's, it's not based on my feelings, but I know that's, that's a fine line. And I'm just trying to help you and build up your faith today, okay? Well, praise God. Healing is a grace. It's undeserved. It's unearned. You have to receive it. He, 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 he says in Exodus 15, around about 26, he says, uh, my name is Jehovah Rapha. He says, my name is God, your healer. I'm God, your healer. Well, he was revealing something new to Israel. Uh, it's a grace. It's his heart. He wants to. It's his, his desire. And he made it a part of the atonement. It's a grace, but you have to receive it. The second key is, Healing is the children's bread. Healing is the children's bread. What do you mean healing is the children's bread? He said in Matthew 15, 26, but he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, you know the story here, this uh, Syrophoenician woman. She said, son of David, have mercy on us. He ignored her. But she kept pleading. The disciples said, send her away. And Jesus finally says, listen, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, I'm not sent to the Gentiles. And so, and, but she kept pleading. 
And then Jesus says, I can't take the children's thread and give it to the dogs. Man, somebody says, boy, that was pretty derogatory. But yet he was just speaking in the vernacular of the day. You know, she was a Gentile. I can't take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Somebody said, man, that was almost like the N-word. And she could have got mad and she could have said, I am not going to put up with this. You ever call me? I'm leaving. Not, 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 not that woman. Because she knew that he had to answer. And the scripture says in verse 27, and she said, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus said unto her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Listen, faith cannot be denied. Great is your faith, he says, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Listen, he said, in essence, that healing was the children's bread. I can't take the children's bread and give it to the dog. Healing is for the children. What, what do you mean healing is for the children? Do you believe that? Well, I know that they will put you in jail if you don't feed your kid. You know, parents have a duty to feed their children. And if healing is the children's bread, parents are duty bound. And Jesus says, how much more? You know, so he says, if you have a kid, he asks you for a bread, are you going to give him a stone or a serpent? Listen, I believe that as a parent, God is duty bound to give us bread. And if healing is the bread, I know I'm duty bound to give my children bread. I believe that healing is the children's bread, that God wants you to have it. Uh, he is obligated himself in scripture. It's your bread. Claim it. Receive it. Acknowledge it. And so somebody, what are you talking about? I'm talking about keys, right? Healing is in the atonement. I don't have a problem praying for folks. Why? Because I believe healing is in the atonement. And I don't pray if it's your will. I don't pray that way because I believe it is the will of God. I assume that it is. Healing is a grace. I don't deserve it. Nobody deserves it, but we receive it. It's unearned, unmerited. Healing is the children's bread. I believe parents are duty bound. And I believe God has obligated himself in scripture to minister healing if you meet the conditions. Amen. Even the little girl uh, in uh, Kings, uh, I didn't write it down, but, but she was a slave girl and she was in the household of Naaman. And she said, I would to God that he was over there in, 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 in Samaria. Why? Because uh, the prophet would recover him of his leprosy. Hey, that girl had faith. She believed. And she, her testimony was so powerful that the word got to the king. <laughs> and the king said, let, 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 let's send him over. And, uh, of course, you know that story. But what I'm saying is, do we believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, the day, and forever? Do we really believe that? Amen. Well, somebody said, what's the fourth key? The fourth key is this. You need to understand the source of sickness and disease. Because I meet so many people saying, oh, God put this on me. Oh, there's some sin in my life that God is punishing me for. Now, that's the devil. He puts this on your mind, and it's hard to shake it because after a while, you've been praying and praying, and you're going to doctors, and, and uh, folks have been laying hands on you. You don't see nothing happen. You're like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some sin. Now, there's something in my life that God hadn't given, forgiven me for. And that's, that's the way the enemy works on us. Now, now, 
don't get me wrong. If I'm sick, the first thing I want to do is make sure there's no sin in my life. Oh, yeah, that's right. I want to, God, is there anything I need to confess? I want to, I want to confess it. You're right about it, okay? But listen, I believe, and I believe it's a key, I believe that the source of all sickness and disease, amen, uh, directly or indirectly, is from sin and Satan because there was no sickness until the fall, okay? Now, I'm not saying everybody gets sick is, is directly from Satan, okay? But I believe that sin opened the door, okay? And when God cursed the, the, the ground, I believe, you know, some doors, uh, things happen as a result of it. But listen, so, so uh, Jesus' worldview, though, in Acts 10, 38, and this is his worldview, it wasn't mine. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, who, and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, wait a minute. Hold it now. What does that verse say? That verse says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with power and the Holy Ghost, who went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed by that? Wait, wait, wait. Was Jesus' worldview that those who were, uh, that he healed were, were oppressed by the devil? Was Jesus' worldview, did he know in his heart that God didn't send this and therefore he could deal with it from a certain perspective? Sounds like to me that was his worldview. And I take the same position. And so I don't have a problem by praying for the sick. Yeah, I come against it in the name of Jesus. Yeah, I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. You know, uh, I'm not saying every sickness and disease is directly from him. But I do know that because of the fall, certain things have come about. But listen, in the worldview of Jesus, according to Acts 10, 38, he healed those who were oppressed by the devil. And so I don't believe the sickness and disease that you're facing come from God. I don't believe God put that on you. I don't believe God would put sickness and disease on you and turn it right around and then says, I'm putting it on Jesus. Well, come on now. He, he's not confused, okay? He knows the source of sickness and disease. The Bible says Jesus healed all that come to him. All that came to him, he healed. Now there are some people he didn't go to. He walked up there around a beautiful gate, healed one man. There were all kinds of folks around there need healing. But all that came to him, he healed. And that is amazing that he did that. Listen, yeah, I believe that as believers in Christ, we have authority to lay hands on the sick. And if you don't believe you need to lay hands on anybody, you ought to lay hands on your children. Yeah, I believe that you can lay hands on your children. Uh, yeah, I believe you can bind and loose. Uh, you have that authority. Uh, you don't have to put up some stuff in your home. You can bind and loose. You can say, no, devil, you can't work in my house. No, 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 devil. I'm going to put a stop to that right now because I have authority in the name of Jesus. So you can put up with it and the devil will run over you. If you let him, he'll make your kids sick. He'll take your finances. He'll break your marriage. If you let him or you can bind him, you have authority. Well, the Bible says you put on Jesus. You need to operate that authority, operate that authority. Yeah. So I believe that every believer really has that authority. Cast out demons and heal the sick. It'll make no difference. You've been only saved six months. You still got authority, you know, but God will teach you what he needs for you to do. But you need to recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. The Bible says when he called his 12, he gave them authority or power against unclean spirits. 
to heal all manner of sickness and, yeah, cast out demons and to heal all manner of sickness. So I believe that all believers have that right. They just need to know who they are. Amen. And then when he sent them forth, he says, go forth. He says, heal the sick, cleanse lepers, raise the dead. Well, praise God. And, and, and if you can't claim that one, Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe. Listen, the point is, if you go and do that, you're going to run across situations where you need to, well, some people call them power encounters. Well, you're going to need to trust God. And you're going to need to rebuke the devil. That's, that's just the truth. Okay, let's go a little further. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, Jesus made a statement in Matthew 12. He says, if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. And so uh, there's a relationship with the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit. And so we're in the Holy Spirit dispensation. We're in the kingdom of God dispensation. And when you think of kingdom, you think of power. Okay. And that's who you are. You are in the kingdom and you can advance this kingdom with power. But you got to have faith. Okay. Which brings me down to my fourth key. So just first key, healing is in the atonement. Second, healing is a grace. Three, healing is the children's bread. Four, the source of sickness and diseases is Satan. God is not putting this on you. Uh, somebody said, can God do that? Can God put sickness? Yeah, God can do anything you want. He's God, okay? But I'm saying as a rule, God is not putting that on you. But certainly, first thing you want to do is make sure there's no sin in your life. That's a good, that's a good plan, okay? Number five, God's a faith God. What do you mean God's a faith God? What do you mean? First time I heard that, I, that puzzled me. What do you mean God's a faith God? What I mean is that God responds to your faith, okay? God responds to faith. What do you mean God responds to faith? You know, now, I, this may sound cruel. As a rule, God is not responding to your pain. As a rule, he's not responding to your tears. He can. He can. But God responds to faith, Okay? Now, I know that's confusing sometimes. Like, yeah, yeah. God can say he can respond to your cries. He can respond to your pain. He can respond to your tears. But as a rule, he's responding to your faith. Okay? Because there's a lot of people in a lot of pain, and they're not getting God to move. There's a lot of people shedding a lot of tears, and they're not getting God to move. But I guarantee you, but extra faith in the promises of God, he will move. Because he's a faith God. Amen? God wants you to mix faith with what he's promised you. All right. Amen. Uh, that's that. I'm just telling. I'm, uh, listen, the greatest honor that you can give God is to believe and act and receive on what he said. The greatest honor that you can give God is to believe and act and receive on what he said. The greatest dishonor is to doubt and not believe what he has said. He's a faith God and God has painstakingly made sure that you can trust his word. My word, he says, will not return unto me void. Okay? Yeah, I watch over my word to perform it. God wants you to trust him, to believe his word. God is saying he is not a man that he should lie. Amen. Or the son of man. Look, look, look. But the devil from the beginning, as he approached Adam and Eve, he said, God is a liar. That's what he said. You know, oh God, did God say that? God is holding something back on you. And I'm telling you, he's still working that way. And God wants you to believe what he says. 
Now, granted, God can respond to your tears. He can. He can respond. Excuse me. Amen. So I need some 99% up here, you know, if, uh, some of that hand sanitizer. So I want to make sure I wash my hands before I shake anybody's hand. All right. I thought I'd just tell you that so somebody might want to find some. All right. Listen. Listen. God is a faith God. Now, Mark 9, 23, your faith has unlimited potential. Listen to what he says. The brother says, God, if you could do anything, he says, have mercy and help me. Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. People all around the nine disciples, they've been trying to cast out this demon. Nothing has happened. OK, they cast out demons before, but nothing was happening. And Jesus said, uh, he come down, he want to know what's going on. And the man says, Lord, I brought my disciples to your, my, my son to your disciples, and they could not cast him out. He says, if you can do anything, he said, have mercy and help me. Okay? And Jesus, you know, Jesus said to him, verse 22b, he says, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us, help us. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if thou canst believe, he says, all things are possible to him that believes. I think what Jesus says now. Jesus says to a man, if you can believe, sir, all things are possible to him that believes. So I'm saying to you out there, I don't know where you are, but if you can believe it, Jesus says it's possible. If you can believe it, he says it's possible. If you can believe it. I don't know what you need, but he says, if thou canst believe, he says, all things are possible. I said, your faith, the faith you have right where you sit, has unlimited potential if you can believe it. Listen, it doesn't take much faith, just no doubt. It doesn't take much faith, just no doubt. Listen, God's a faith God. Biblical faith is always now. Biblical faith is always militant. It's militant. It says the thing I hope for is mine now. Biblical faith is not wishy-washy. It's a militant faith, okay? Biblical faith is always now, okay? It says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the proof. It's the title deed. Well, how do I know that I receive anything from God? I receive it by faith. Well, thank God for feelings, but it's by faith, okay? He's a faith God. Listen, in Matthew, Mark, brother, chapter 2, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. It was faith that moved him. In March, not, uh, Mark, brother, 9, 28, 30, it says, when he was coming to the house, the blind came to him, and Jesus the blind man came to him and Jesus said unto them, believe ye that I am able to do this. They said, yeah, Lord. Verse 29, he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Boom. And their eyes were open. And Jesus straightly charged them saying, see that no man know it. It was faith. He told the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. Faith made a demand. Here was Jesus. The crowd was pressing in on every side. He stopped and he said, who touched me? The disciple says, what is the matter with you, Lord? The crowd is strong in Jesus. 
strong uh, uh, pressing against you. And Jesus said, somebody touch me. That woman's faith made a demand on the healing power of Jesus and drew healing virtue out of him. Listen, your faith will make a demand on the healing power of God. Now, six key. Know the enemies of faith. I'm almost done. Know the enemies of faith. Doubt is an enemy of faith. Faith is believing what God says. Unbelief is believing what the devil says. Doubt is when you're holding between the two opinions. Doubt is an enemy of faith. It doesn't take much faith. If you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you can do great things. Just no doubt. He says, if you doubt, Jesus says, you like the wave of the sea. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Listen, know the enemies of faith. Doubt. Passivity. What do you mean passivity? Passivity. Um, I've come to the place where, well, you know, I know God can heal me, and I'm just going to wait till it happens, you know. But you've got to exercise active faith. You can't just be passive. Your, your faith needs to be active. You need to be claiming the promises of God's word. You need to be confessing some things. You can't just go into passivity. And I see people going into passivity. They're just kind of giving up. You know, they're not aggressive anymore. They're not militant about their healing. They're not claiming the fact that uh, God has done what he said. And they're just kind of. Passivity is an enemy. Hope. Now, there's a positive hope. But there's a negative hope. What, what do you mean? I, I meet people. Uh, they're at the place. Well, I hope God will heal me. That is not biblical faith. Well, I hope God's going to heal me. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is, I declare that I'm healed now based on the promises of God's word. And I'm going to meditate on that word. And until that word get deep in me, I'm confessing it with my mouth. I'm believing with my heart. And I'm expecting the healing to manifest because <laughs> I got militant faith. But folks have moved from Militant faith, they start out with militant faith, but now they're in hope so faith. Well, I hope so. That's, I, hear, I hear folks saying this, our God can do anything but fail. But that's not biblical faith. God can do anything but fail. Oh, I hear him saying, oh, praise God. I wish there a God who can do anything but fail, but fail. That's true. But are you actively claiming your promise? So... That kind of hope is a problem. Passivity is a problem, okay? Uh, passivity accept, is acceptance of what happens without active response or resistance, okay? Uh, feelings uh, could be an enemy of faith. Why? Because the enemy wants us to believe what we see and feel, and God wants us to believe and act on what he, what he says, amen? Let me give you this scripture before we close. John 20, uh, 27 through 29. Then said he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, 
Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. Two kinds of faith. Sense knowledge faith. Faith in what I see, feel, and hear. Revelation faith. Faith in what the revelation of God has revealed to my spirit through the Holy Spirit, through the word of God. And that's where God wants you to stand. Amen. Unbelief is a spirit, okay, that wars against us all the time. That's an enemy of faith. Unbelief is a spirit that wars against us all the time. And you know, when Jesus came down off that mountain, the disciples couldn't cast out that demon. They won't know why. And Jesus says, because of your unbelief. And he said, how be it? 17, Mark, Matthew 17, 21. How be this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting? What goes out by prayer and fasting? Is it the unbelief or is it the demon? I said both. I think prayer and fasting is a building hedge that God has given us to war against unbelief. And so I say, yeah, you ought to do some fasting and praying for your healing. Yes, if you can. Yes, you ought to do some fasting and praying on a regular basis. When I was coming up, a lot of folks was fasting and praying twice a week. Amen. Uh, and I still try to practice that. And because fasting is a built-in hedge, I believe, against that spirit of unbelief that's creeping into our experience. The disciples didn't know that unbelief had shut it down, shut them down, but it had. Okay? So, so what am I saying? Seven keys. What are the what are those seven keys again? All right. Just real quickly. Healing is in the atonement. Healing is a grace. Healing is a children's bread. Understand the source of sickness and disease is from sin and Satan. Amen. God is a faith God. Know the enemies of faith. And last but not least, what do I do between the time I'm prayed for and to the time I see the healing. And I said, confession is important. Amen? And maybe even radical confession. What do you mean? Well, here's the kind of confession that I do. I think it's a good idea to write out your confessions. I don't care what area you're trusting God for. I like writing them out. Okay? Uh, it's good to pray. That's one level of warfare. But when I speak some things, that's another level of spiritual warfare. Listen, I declare that Jesus took upon himself my sickness and disease, and by his stripes I'm now healed. Surely he has borne my sicknesses and my diseases. He's carried my pain. Surely healing is the children's bread. Surely divine, he divine health is the perfect will of God for the Jeter family. Surely the word has declared that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. I declare that I declare that my family and I are free from sickness and disease, and I break every curse spoken against my family and me. I declare every assignment by Satan against me and my family canceled. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I will lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, and they will recover. I will cast out demons with my word in the name of Jesus, and they will obey me. Thank you, Father, for victory. I do not govern my life by what I see or feel. Feelings are not reliable. You have said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Therefore, I will not let fear rule me or move me. For you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love 
and of a sound mind. Therefore, in Jesus' name, I speak to circumstances and situations and mountain-like problems of life. You have declared that they will obey me if I don't doubt in my heart. Mountains of sickness and disease be cast into the sea, and so forth and so on. And so, so uh, I believe that it's important that you confess what he says. Write it out. And so between the time you prayed for to the time the healing manifests, I believe is important. Uh, one last story as we close. I was at camp meeting. And there was an evangelist there by the name of uh, Foggs. Uh, he prayed for this man. And this man was legally blind. Uh, and so he prayed for this man and nothing seemed like it happened. So the evangelist said to me, he said, Pastor Jeter, could you walk this man around this building? He should be able to claim his healing in an atmosphere like this. So I, I, I said, okay. And so the guy, he's got his cane. I got his hand and we're walking. And it was a, a, a had nice fans like that. And so I would say, I want you to say, praise God, I'm healed. He would say, praise God, I'm healed. I, I said, I want you to say, praise God, I was healed 2,000 years ago. He would say, praise God, I was healed 2,000 years ago. And I would say like, Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by it. He would say like that. And I said, okay, look up at the ceiling. I said, can you see that fan? He says, no. I said, okay. So we kept doing that. I had him confessing what God says. At one point he says, I don't need this cane. He threw it away. He says, I can see. I go, I go wow. Okay, so they had prayed for him already. There was no healing manifested. But as he confessed what God said, the healing manifested. And so I said, well, you know, I, I learned some things myself. I said, well, praise God. Amen. And so all I'm saying is that confession is good. Let's stand. Father, we simply shared a simple message today trying to build the faith of your people. And we know that you're Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. We know that. And all of us have seen you do great and mighty miracles. And then we have situations where we don't understand why we don't see you move. Our loved ones have died that we prayed for and they were not raised up. And yet, Lord, your word is pretty clear that you are Jehovah Rapha. As we go back 100 years, we seem to see a lot more consistent healings. And we believe that you want to show yourself strong in our time. And as we endeavor to cast this vision before the people of God, we're believing that their faith is growing. And even today, their faith is growing and increasing. And so we commit the people of God to you. And we're asking you to minister right where they are. Those who need healing, that you would touch their hearts, touch their minds, Lord. Inspire their faith. We offer this service up to you as a sweet smell, a sacrifice, well-pleasing. We're here by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' strong name. Now you do, Lord, what only you can do. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all in service. In Jesus' strong name.